Welcome into another episode of Automotive Insiders. I'm your host, Jason Stein. Good to be with you again. It isn't a topic most want to talk about, but it's becoming more common as the industry moves through this current iteration. Supplier distress. There are numerous issues around supplier distress, and they result in decisions at all levels, from OEMs through the tiers. So what are some of the areas where suppliers are experiencing distress, and how can those issues be remedied? What happens when a supplier cannot produce at the current piece price? What are best practices and external factors? Today, we get a rundown on those scenarios and look at additional scenarios, including bankruptcy. To talk us through all of it is A.J. Webb, attorney at law for Frost Brown Todd. He gives us his view and a glimpse into the various scenarios in front of some suppliers this year. Today on Automotive Insiders. AJ, welcome into the program. Thank you for being a guest on Automotive Insiders. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. So today we're talking about some frequent issues with supplier distress, either from OEMs or through the tiers. And I I know that we want to talk about some areas where suppliers are experiencing distress and maybe how they can be remedied. Let's start there. Uh, What are some of the areas where suppliers are experiencing distress at this moment? Yeah, we've obviously seen supplier distress uh, kind of ramp up from COVID, but it's been continuing from COVID, um, still seeing a lot of distress on the supplier side. I think from our perspective, where we see it the most, and I think this makes the most sense, is simply on the on the piece price. You know, suppliers get into negotiations with OEMs or other tiers on the piece price, and they're locked in that piece price. They're not able to negotiate uh, a different piece price going forward. So, they they see issues from the beginning. Maybe that piece price is too low, or maybe they get you know a few years down the road in production and they have labor issues. There's raw material price increases, the space that they're leasing uh, that that cost increases, and so they get into this piece price situation that's just untenable, and it makes it difficult for them to continue producing on a go forward basis. So let's talk a little bit about the about the piece price aspect here. There is a best practice that I know that you talk about, and that is what? Well, we always say, if you can, try and negotiate up front in the contract that allows for dynamic piece pricing, or at least allow for price negotiations on a go-forward basis. Some OEMs will review piece prices on a regular basis, whether it's annual or otherwise. So that allows for that tool. But if it's not in your contract and you're in a fixed piece price that cannot change on a go-forward basis, then you're stuck. Stuck indeed. Um, and you say, too, sometimes suppliers are too eager to win new businesses. And, and that's, in, in fact, how you get stuck in, uh, in a contract that is cost prohibitive right from the beginning, right? That's right. I mean, the simple situation is sometimes there's a dynamic here and the supplier doesn't always have all the negotiating leverage. So maybe the supplier would like to be able to negotiate dynamic piece prices or allow for piece price adjustments over time. But maybe there's a smaller supplier and they just don't have the ability to try and negotiate that over time. So they're they're stuck and uh, and they're not able to negotiate. And there's some external factors that make a contract unprofitable. Labor, you just alluded to that, labor, raw materials, equipment. Um, what about the fact that if if the piece price is fixed, negotiation, and how do you do that? 
Yeah, it's, you know, if the piece price is fixed, it's always best from our perspective to be upfront with your customers and negotiate with them on the piece price issues. Hiding the ball uh, with the customer is never a great thing because you kind of put yourself in a situation where uh, you're still continuing to produce at a loss, your customer's unaware of it, and then you might get into a situation where you simply just can't continue. You can't make uh, payroll, you can't pay your rent, and you have other costs that you're not able to really address. So that's the situation that we sometimes see um, when, when you know cu- customers get into that situation and they're not able to to get out of it. So understanding customers want that full financial picture of their supplier is probably one of the critical parts here. You also talk about customers looking at a three-legged school, three-legged stool, rather. Explain that to me. Yeah. So when you're negotiating with customers and you're trying to get, let's say your contract does not allow for dynamic pricing or you can't change your pricing. And so you have to go to your customers and say, Hey, I know my contract doesn't allow for a change in piece price, but I need, I, I need to change the piece price in order to be able to continue to produce for you and be able to continue to survive. Customers at that point are really going to want to see the full financial picture of, of, uh, of their suppliers. And so they often look to what we call a three-legged stool and Basically, it's just ensuring that everyone has skin in the game. So customers are going to say, okay, you know, one piece of the stool is obviously us as the customer. You know, are we paying the appropriate piece price for our suppliers to continue to survive? But there are other two pieces to that. One is um, the equity, the ownership of the company. Do they have skin in the game um, to support this company on a go-forward basis? And the other piece is a lender. Typically, suppliers will have uh, traditional lenders or private equity lenders, and they have to be committed to support the supplier through this difficult time, too. Now, sometimes equity uh, and the lender are one and the same. Um, You may have equity owners that are putting money into the company, and there's no other traditional third-party lender out there. But that's kind of the three-legged stool that the customer is going to look at and say, okay, it's us, it's equity, it's the lender. Are all of us committed to help support the supplier through this situation and support them on a go-forward basis? So let's talk about the next scenario. What happens if a supplier cannot survive? Yeah, obviously, this is an unfortunate situation, but it's occurring a lot more frequently. And we see it particularly where um, perhaps a supplier has a parent entity that's located overseas and they have U.S. operations or a U.S. entity. And that parent has been funding their U.S. supplier for some time. They've been funding it at a loss and they really don't see a way for that supplier in the U.S. to survive. So in that situation, um, we're looking at maybe a couple different scenarios. It could be, for example, a potential sale. It could be a potential liquidation of the supplier. But uh, it's an event in which the supplier has to address, okay, how are we going to get out of this situation and what does that mean for this for this company, it could be the potential end of the company. And from our perspective, you know, it's best again, as we talked about a little bit earlier, to negotiate these situations with your customers and make sure they understand what's going on and what can happen. Because the best situation when a supplier can't survive is is really to have an orderly sale of the supplier to a new entity or an orderly wind down that kind of allows the customer to continue to receive production over a period of time. And then after that production period terminates, then the supplier kind of winds down. And your best advice there is look for alternatives other than bankruptcy, correct? Correct. 
That's right. Um, you know, sometimes the first thought is to jump into a bankruptcy. And while that provides some advantages uh, when you have a liquidity situation, bankruptcies, some people don't understand, are oftentimes very expensive. So not only is the supplier having to continue to produce during the time of the bankruptcy, but it's also paying a lot of other fees that it may not have otherwise had to pay. There's professional fees associated with that. There's court fees. And so it just adds, uh, you know, adds to the pile of, of money that the flyer already has to spend to kind of be able to survive. So, you know, we're, we're usually looking at situations that what we call are out of court. So you're not in, in bankruptcy. You're trying to negotiate with your customers on, again, maybe a sale or um, an, another exit that would allow the supplier to kind of wind down outside of the bankruptcy context. And you say to be very mindful, too, of fiduciary duties of officers and directors, something that maybe some might not even anticipate, right? That's right. You know, when you have a time when um, you're not able to continue to survive as an entity and you have liquidity situations, the directors and officers owe fiduciary duties to other people. Typically, they owe it to their creditors. And so they have to be mindful of the decisions that they make. And those decisions need to be with an eye toward, okay, what is the most value-maximizing situation I can do for my creditors and the constituents of the company? And it's not just your creditors. You have to think about your employees, all of those sorts of individuals who can be impacted by the shutdown of the company. So be mindful of your fiduciary duties and exercise those duties in a way that's going to best maximize the value of the company and benefit all other stakeholders. Uh, Final point today, AJ, what about a bankruptcy when the supplier is a customer? Yeah, this is a tough situation that we've been seeing more and more often. Uh, but we, we would say it probably typically occurs when the supplier is a little bit further down the tier. But it's important to know that you know bankruptcies move extremely fast. So when you have someone, um, one of your customer that's in bankruptcy, you really need to understand your contract rights. Uh, the you know is is that customer that's in bankruptcy going to be able to continue to produce? Are there contingency plans in place? Because what you don't want to have happen here is you're continuing to uh, interact with this customer and you have, um, you know, they're not able to supply parts to you or you have growing AR or whatever the situation may be. So you have to really act fast. It's one of those situations where you can't sit on your hands. So if you know you've got a customer that's in bankruptcy, immediately look at the bankruptcy, see what's going on and really try and get your hands around, okay, what's going to happen during this bankruptcy case and uh, and how is it going to likely end? It's not a subject that we like talking about, but supplier distress has ramifications throughout the industry. Um, I want to thank you so much for bringing us up to speed on uh, on various elements here. And we will indeed hope for uh, better results in 2024. That's right. We'll cross our fingers. Certainly appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much, AJ. Thank you. Thanks again for joining another episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. A big thanks again to AJ Webb, attorney at law for Frost Brown Todd in talking about supplier distress. And thanks for listening to the program. You can come back to us again for more interviews. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time.